Rosa Media House. Welcome to another edition of the Purple Theory Podcast. My name is Grant McGalliard. I have alongside with me my co-host, my friend, Parker Fleming. Parker, I should say, this is the Purple Theory uh, Podcast brought to you by Frogs Today. Now proud partners. Um, Grant, you dropped that on, what was it, Sunday or Wednesday? Just vaguely said something about that. And I got maybe seven text messages almost immediately after the episode was was up of people saying like, what's the news? What's the news? But um yeah, hopefully we sound a little bit better today. We've got some um, equipment to make us legitimate podcasters and, and sound decent. But the uh, gracious folks over there at Frogs Today have been um, relentlessly pursuing us in grants. I just, you know, after all these dinners with uh, wine and steak and everything, I just I couldn't say no anymore. So uh, I'm happy to uh, be a part of what they've got going on over there. Um, in terms of what that means for this podcast, uh, generally being part of Frogs Today, um, on the, on one hand, not not a ton, right? We're going to keep yeah. making content. Neither of us live in Fort Worth, so we're not going to be going to games or anything. Um, but uh, the hope is one we get um, uh, some support for for making content and are able to do that a little bit. Uh, you know, step up our game up a little bit there, and we get maybe a little bit of access to the team and a TCU. They're you know TCU adjacent, so maybe we can do some fun stuff in the future um, and get connected with all of them there. So and you'll see Grant and I on on Frogs today on the show on the website here and there, kind of as the uh, as as time and and uh, and situation allow, yeah. Editorially on this podcast, nothing's going to change. I think our mandate was don't say the f word eighteen times in a podcast, so we're going to attempt not to do that. Which, to um, be fair, we have gotten we've talked about this off air. We've gotten so much better about we that. We were good for guys. We were cutting anything the podcast maybe maybe last season or like twenty twenty was like a hour and a half affair because we had yes. to go back and listen to it and cut stuff out. And Grant and I have gotten so good at like, this is a live show. We're not, we're not cutting any of this out. I'm not dropping an F-bomb. Um, and so uh, that was, that was our one, uh, our one imperative. Yeah. But editorially, nothing's going to change. It's still going to be the same stature. It'll still be in your same uh, podcast feed on Apple or Spotify, wherever yep. you get it. Um, you can also find it if you go to Frogs today. We'll have our own little tab on there. Um, so we're really just super excited, um, and and it's an honor to kind of work with those guys. They're the best uh, best in the business. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Like Parker said, you might see us pop our pop our faces into some other Frogs today content as well. So uh, just just getting the brand out there, man. That's what it's all about. Absolutely. And can I say one thing, Grant? Because we we're critical of um, you know we never want to be state media. We never want to say things because no. you know TC wants us to say things or it might ingratiate us. I have been affirmed that we are allowed to call balls and strikes and do an analysis. Like this is no kind of, you said editorially, it's not going to change. We are not going to be uh, cheerleaders nor antagonists. We're going to, you know, continue to do, Hey, what we think is good and right. And, and how we think the team is doing and, and what they're doing about that. So uh, no, no pulled punches as a part of, of joining mm-hmm. frogs today, which I think is good um, as well. And our uh, nonsense about country music and food and random tangents, I think will certainly continue as well. This is this. I, I was reading Kierkegaard earlier today. We could talk about this more if you want, but um, it's it's the sickness unto death, Parker. Is that's despair? Um, are, are you aware of yeah. the Twitter account? Speaking of random things, we get into. Are you, I don't even know if this exists anymore. There used to be a Twitter account called Kim Kierkegaard Ashian. No, uh, yes, I was. I followed that. Yes. <laughs> And so he would like, he would like find a Kim Kardashian tweet and then like 
make it in the style of Kierkegaard um, messing around with the quote. Yeah, that's that's high comedy. That has nothing to do with anything we're talking about today. Well, Grant, what are we talking about today? <laughs> we're talking about the TCU versus Texas game. Uh, TCU is ranked number four in the country. Rankings don't matter. These ones kind of do. And TCU is now right number four. Texas is number 18, I believe, in the most recent college football playoff ranking. Uh, college game day will be there. That's uh, the second time TCU has been on the road at a college game day game. Um, before we get into the uh, game itself, Parker, any news we got to touch on? From what I understand, Quentin Johnston will play this week. It's At least I... he'll try to give it a go believe that is the case um I, I it has been intimated to me in my very outsider channels that whether it was him holding himself out or the coaching staff saying it's not worth it tcu kind of said hey we can probably win without you so you really don't need to press it last week yeah. that's that's my understanding of the game and is not is not wrong um clear, no. very very clearly uh, but I do believe that the goal in holding him out last week was to make sure that he was 100% against Texas because TC was very much going to need him against Texas. Yes. Yeah. From what I understand, he's walk- he was walking around in a boot to classes earlier, but was telling people he's going to be good to go. So who knows? We'll see. Um, yeah, let's might as well get right into it, Parker. Um, Texas has three losses on the year. Um, but I think they're the highest ranked three loss team in the country, which should come as no surprise to anyone who knows how voters and polls and rankings go. Um, this is, I believe, and I don't want to get ahead of ourselves here. The first time TCU by your numbers has been an underdog this season. Is that correct? Or yeah. Cause even against Kansas lose? state, they were favored. Yeah. Yep. 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 Oklahoma so, state maybe was that close? Um, I have to look that one up. Yeah, that's fine. But I know, I but that one up. I just this is going to be TCU's toughest test. We've said that for like the last three weeks that the Texas game should be circled. Um, it's it's not going to be easy going in Austin. Six thirty kickoff night game. Uh, we'll get into all of it, but it, it, it's this is boomer bust for TCU, especially having it been is. ranked number four. Um, I mean, we saw last week the first college football playoff rankings came out, and then two of the top six lost. Uh, TCU cannot afford to lose a game for the rest of the season if they want to make the playoff. It's that simple. No, they are certainly not afforded that. Um, they're not afforded a loss at all if we're talking about the playoff. But also just from a national stage, like, hey, you're finally you've got the recognition. You're in the top four. Um, you gotta you gotta back it up here. Uh, point of information: I did have TCU winning against Oklahoma State by two. There you go. Um, yeah. So uh, I have been have been a perfect. Um, 9 and 0 against uh, straight up for TCU predictions this season. Um although maybe the Oklahoma game I had them not favored. Maybe I don't know. I don't remember. This is not yeah, a fun this say. is not a fun exercise for us to do. No, I just uh, <laughs> to sum up the vamping I did, if you if you want to run with the big dogs, you better be ready to pee in the tall grass. And TCU is now in the tallest grass you can possibly find. A wise um, man once said, uh, to be the man, you got to beat the man. And as much yeah. as I hate the fact that three, three lost Texas is the man, they um, certainly, he's certainly fall into that category. This, uh, in this spot right now. So, yeah. So do you want to do some first order principles first? Uh, I think I have your, your little, uh, <clears throat> I'm going to say your little, but yeah, um, no, my little doodles, my little waste of time nonsense. Yeah. I appreciate that. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> I have, uh, it's great. We're Parker. Look at this stat preview. We're gonna put that right here on the fridge. Isn't that nice? <laughs> I love your shaving. You did so good. You outlined it. It was it was really well done. You're really getting better at coloring in the lines. Um, 
I have, okay, in terms of opponent adjusted um, stats, and then we'll get to kind of the, the breakdown. I just should be, stop being lazy and put the opponent adjusted ones on here. Um, TCU is 13th on offense, Texas 29th on defense. TCU, 35th on defense, Texas is 17th on offense. Very similar teams. TCU's rank is 15th uh, in the Power Five. All of those are among Power Five teams. Texas is 16th in the Power Five. So very, very similar teams, very, very different outcomes here um, overall. One thing that is interesting, uh, Texas much more aggressive with the football. They are minus 1.2 rush rate over expected. That's 59th overall. So pretty balanced. TCU actually uh, 2.2 percentage points more than average in rush rate over expected, uh, which is 83rd. So, so some stylistic differences, even as the team's kind of aggregate stats are similar here. Um, Texas is of course, six and three. They have uh, defensible loss to uh, Alabama, a game that they they maybe could have won. They have an embarrassing loss to Texas Tech where they had the chance to put the game away and didn't. Then they have what I call, you know, now looking back, an embarrassing loss to Oklahoma State. Again, a game that they could have put away and just didn't, which is a common theme. Um, they're averaging 36.1 points per game, allowing 21.8. For reference, TCU, 43.1 points per game. Good Lord, that's always higher than I think it is. <laughs> and TCU is allowing 26.9 points per game. You mentioned Texas's aggression, Parker. One stat that sticks out to me is that on offense, they're third in the country on first down percentage on first and second down. Um, 76.79% of the first downs came on first and second down, if I'm reading that stat right. Uh, and yep. their early downs EPA is 0.176, which is they're taking shots. Absolutely. They're going to move the ball early and often, and they're really going to try and stay ahead of the chains. I think that um, they feel like they have a really long leash because they do have Bajan and Roshan uh, in the backfield there as two guys who can really, really convert on third downs. And so I don't think that they're afraid of, you know, trying to be explosive on first and second down, knowing they can clean up uh, if they need to. Yeah. And if you look and we'll get into it too, but if you look at like Quinn Ewers passing depth, like they're taking shots down the field and they're not. Um, and even if they don't succeed, they're willing to go back to the well and do it again. Um, other Stats here, if you look at Texas from a defensive standpoint, uh, not great against the pass, 90th in the country. Um, of course, that's not opponent adjusted, I don't think. Um, but 0.107 EPA per pass, allowing uh, allowing 50% uh, quality drives, echo rate uh, for your opponent, that's 60th in the country. So right about in the middle, um, 3.86 points per echo. Um, in an early, uh, at, they are 8th in the country in first down percentage allowed on first and second down. So pretty good there on defense. Yeah. So the flip side of that is, do you see that they're 88th in third and fourth down success rate allowed? I do. What that means is they're giving up a lot of first downs on early downs. That's that they're, they're, um, sorry, they're not giving up a lot of first downs on early downs, but they're, um, finding themselves in like third and short. So they're giving up a yeah. lot of, they're letting teams extend drives pretty well there. Um, over overall. So yeah, I, I mean, I think Texas is a really balanced team. I think legitimately they are three plays away from, from nine. No, is that, is that unfair to say? I think we're going narratives first and then we'll go to yeah. offense and defense, but that's fine. Uh, three, three plays from nine and no. Three plays. Maybe, I don't know, maybe three breaks from going nine and no, I don't know. I don't know about three plays, but three breaks from going nine and no, I'm, I'm fine with that. Although the Oklahoma state game, you could argue they like, they just lost. Yeah. They just, I mean, they just decided not to win that game. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think so I don't know how much. Yeah, that's totally fair. Yeah, the um, Texas Tech they, the Texas Tech game is more and more indefensible as it 
as we get farther away from it. And it was indefensible when it happened. Even with I mean, they were up two out. scores in the third quarter and they punted three times and then let Texas Tech come back. Like, just very dumb. Um, yeah. yeah. I... I, yeah, I'm I'm inclined to believe that like this team is still very raw. Like they turned over so many guys and they're getting better down the stretch, but especially early in the season, it was like, hey, you had all offseason to plan for Alabama. You came out with a great game plan. Alabama's clearly not what they once were this season. And uh and you took advantage of that. But then man, it looks like you just in moments where you have to adapt, like we talked about in our preview, you know, Sark might have all the right calls, but can he install and make sure everybody knows how to execute and make sure they can you know, over and over again, get these, these open plays, um, converted like the Oklahoma state game, Quinn Ewers was not good. He's bad. Um, and, and we'll, you know, I should pull up the stats and we'll talk about that, but they, like they schemed open plays against Oklahoma state and they just couldn't convert on them. Uh, CBS sports is, uh, Shehan Jayaraja pointed the stat out to me since Bedlam in the last three games since or not Bedlam since the red river, uh, Texas, Oklahoma, do you know of any second half touchdowns Texas has scored in those three games? One. I'm gonna say zero or one. One. Yeah. yeah. It's they're like the anti TCU. Instead of doing all their work in the second half, they try to get it on the first half and then can't hold on to leads. Um, or can well, Iowa State. Oh my gosh, I forgot about Iowa State. Xavier Hutchinson had a touchdown yep. and he left his yep. feet. And yeah, golly, that was not great. Um Man, maybe I'm souring on them. I don't know. They're four and one in their last five. That's all that matters. But yeah, they should have lost that Iowa State game. They arguably could have lost that Kansas State game last week, 34 to 27. But Julius Brents went out on the first, like first or yeah. second play. And that yeah. mattered a whole lot there. Um overall. Notice Kansas State fans who might be listening to this. I didn't call Julius Brents a dirty player for making a dumb hit um and getting tossed for it. But generally, I think that um that that changed the course of the game overall. And uh, and really benefited Texas as well. So I think there's an argument to say that like they've been playing well by the metrics, but that situationally has been helped pretty well. Yeah. Do you want to talk about Quinn? We might as well. It's what everyone's let's talking talk, about. Let's talk about it, man. I I I am oh, I'm gonna a make a hot take. Make... Okay, go ahead. These are gonna be diametrically opposed. I don't think that Quinn Ewers is the ideal Texas quarterback. I think that the ideal Texas quarterback is actually like clean cut and mild mannered. And I think he's got too much swagger for the university of Texas for him to succeed. Vince young had a lot of swagger and he succeeded pretty, pretty well. I'm going to go out on a limb and I don't want you to ask a follow-up question. Uh, I don't think Vince young and Quinn Ewers have the same kind of swagger. No, I'm just saying I, anyway, but um, point taken. I might, even, I, mean I is... might even say if you try hard, you die hard uh, at the risk of inciting some. Gotcha. Um, okay. Now, now I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here. No, uh, now given I know the current situation of uh, of that quote, but generally, just yeah, I think Ben Jiang is cool. Quinn Ewers wants to be cool, and I think that's an important distinction. That's he, you know what he would have been great under Tom Herman. Golly, uh, those I, guys would have vibed. My blood pressure. Hold on, let me look at my. <laughs> yeah, we just went over a hundred on the heart rate there, just thinking about Tom Herman. Golly, um, Quinn Ewers, not amazing. 57.6% completion, 66.3 adjusted completion, but very long on average depth of target, uh, 11.5 there for him, 6.8 big time throw percent, 4.8 turnover worthy play percent. Um, his sack to pressure ratio is only 5.3, which is very good. Probably the best in the big 12. If I'm, if I'm going offhand here, um, and, uh, you know, he's got, 12 touchdowns, five interceptions, if you care about that thing. 
and 6.6 or sorry, 7.8 yards per attempt all season. So um, not, not awful, but not amazing. Yeah. With Quinn, I think you can certainly see like the raw tools that are there. Um, they just haven't quite been refined yet. I mean, the guy can spin the daggum ball. What I like about Texas and, and what I like about what they're doing with him is that they're trusting him to throw deep. He's just not connecting on them. Parker, He's attempted 33 passes, more than 20 yards past the line of scrimmage. He's only completed 10 of them, and his average depth of target on those throws is 31.9. He's not just going like a little – he's not just going long. He's going deep. Um, if he's going to chunk it, he's going to chunk it. Um, so I think giving Quinn the, the, these types of reps in this season um, is only going to pay off in dividends down the road. Um, but but right now it does look a little shaky Um the majority of his picks, three of his picks come between 10 and 19 yards. Um, so that just tells me he's not making the right reads, right? And he's just throwing the traffic and getting picked. Yeah, that uh, definitely with, with conflict there. And Grant, because again, they're 46% play action. That's going to be more RPO than it is play action there. Um, yep. I think they're running a lot of play action. I think they're running a lot of RPOs. I, I, I'm inclined to believe that he's making wrong decisions and forcing balls on RPOs which is um, a problem. And if I had Xavier Worthy, I'd probably want to throw it to him more than I wanted to hand <laughs> right. it off. I understand that. Um, but yeah, 46% uh, play action. Um, no, no, I'm dumb. I said this totally backwards because um, I wanted to believe that narrative in my head. And then I looked at these stats here, five interceptions on no play action. So not on not on RPOs. Um, so the exact opposite there. But uh, I think that his... his completion percentage hasn't like dramatically changed there. And so the depth of target is really what's going on. Um, I think that, I think that Quinn Ewers definitely can throw the ball, but as we've seen, like, again, I'll bring up the Oklahoma state game. Um, Not necessarily one of his best performances, 37.5% completion and 52% adjusted on 13.5 a dot. Like, there are times when he tries to make things happen and they just aren't on the same page, which goes to install goes to him being injured. But I think that the, the final form is certainly not there. I think Quinn Ewers needs to learn to check down, um, especially with Bijan Robinson in the backfield, um, but especially with Sarkeesian, who can get guys open underneath Parker. If you look, his average depth of target when the pocket is kept clean is 11.6. When he's under pressure, it's 11. When he's not blitzed, it's 11.1. When he's blitzed, it's 13.0. Um, like no matter what, he is going to try to throw the ball down the field. He he doesn't really have um, a check down bone. And that's pretty fun, but he might need to learn to grow one so that he can, you know, succeed. Yeah, well, especially I'm worried about play action is on my mind just because um, against TCU's linebackers, that's going to be very effective, um, especially in the first half with D Winters out. I think play action is going to be very, very worrisome because TCU's already worried about Robinson coming out of the backfield. And to keep track of, I mean, you have to keep track of on any given play, Roshan Johnson, Bijan Robinson, Xavier Worthy, uh, and, um, uh, Jatavian Sanders. Yeah. Sanders. Yeah. I was, I was, I, I was like, it's not Julio Billingsley. And then I couldn't get Julio Billingsley's <laughs> name out of my head. Jatavian Sanders, like all four of those guys can be on the field at the same time. Um, that's absolutely absurd. And I think play action is going to really, really put a, put a wrinkle in, um, some TCU linebackers who aren't exactly great at pass coverage. We'll get to Shad Banks in in a minute. Um, oh man, yeah. Um, but just to put a bow on it, Quinn's going to make a play that is going to 
he's going to make two or three big plays in this game. There's no way around it. It's Is he also going to make some turnover-worthy plays that TCU is going to capitalize on and, and stop drives from turning into touchdowns? I, I, yeah, I think I think the thumb or the the way that I have my kind of thumb on this is yours is going to score on the first couple of drives, probably in a couple mm-hmm. of big plays. This game is all going to be about resilience for TCU because I imagine if you split him first half, second half, it doesn't look very good in the second half just because Texas's offense has not been very good in the second half. Again, one touchdown in the last three games in the second half. So, and also I will say you're right. Uh, Sarkeesian does a great job of like scripting drives first and second and third drives down the field. Uh, Quinn has also made some shaky throws on the first drives of games. Uh, remember against Oklahoma state, he threw a pick the first drive. It kind of takes him like one or two to get into the flow of things. Um, so also something to look for. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, looking at this offense, they're certainly more efficient in the passing game than they are the rushing game. 26th in EPA per pass ninth in offensive success rate on passing, um, which is just excellent. 50% of passes are successful, uh, which is very good. Uh, EPA per rush, they are 60th averaging 0.026, but they're 25th in rushing success rate. Um, and they can certainly, you know, explosive on early downs, but 44th on, on third and fourth downs is no, is no, uh, nothing to sneeze at 43.75%. So, uh, I, Again, balance. I talked about the rush rate over expected. I feel like they're really balanced. I feel like they're pretty good at two facets of the game, and they've had some bad sequencing and some bad defense. But um, let's talk about some weapons. Let's let's talk about who Quinn Ewers is going to pass to and who TCU should um, worry about. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Xavier Worthy is 75 targets. That's 25 more than anyone else on the team. Full stop. He's their guy. 14.1 yards per reception on an average depth of target of 19.6 so he is their deep threat he lines up wide uh the majority of the time uh he's got eight touchdowns on the season uh, averages yards after catch are uh five uh, after uh, yeah um so he's a dog he does drop 4.9 percent of his passes that's two out of 75 he's an incredibly good wide receiver i i hope travis hodges tomlinson knows what's in for him because yeah he's really good and Xavier Worthy is just so lanky. I'm just very prepared for Hodges Tomlinson to be all over the place. Can you imagine this offense if they had Isaiah Nayer as well? He got hurt yeah. in the offseason, man. Like, golly, that's a lot of stuff to stress you. Uh, Grant, here's your Xavier Worthy fun fact. In 2021, uh, sorry, there are four returning receivers in 2022 who yeah. averaged 13 or larger or longer average depth of target and six or more yards after catch per reception in 2021. They were Jaden Reed from Michigan State, mm-hmm. Zay Flowers from BC, both NFL guys, mm-hmm. Quentin Johnston from TCU, and Xavier Worthy uh, with a 13.4 A dot, 8.5 yards after catch, and 103 targets. Um, he led all all four of those guys in both uh, in in yards after the catch. So. Um, I mean, that 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 alone is just the stat that's most indicative of his true talent level. He has another year, Grant. He can't yeah, go know. to the draft this year. I, <laughs> um, I think that he would be, he and Quentin Johnston both would be first round picks this year. And, and Worthy has a whole other year. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's insane. Um, I will say, kind of going with our thesis on why Ewers throws interceptions, two of Ewers picks this year have been thrown uh, Xavier Worthy's way. Um, so trying to force the ball. Um, yeah. If you look to uh, Jatavion Sanders lines up at tight end, uh, he's got 49 targets, 
39 receptions uh, for an average depth of target of 8.3. Jordan Whittington, uh, I think, is also great in the slot. He's got 31 receptions on 44 targets. Parker, a little fun fact. Worthy, Sanders, and Whittington all have 25 first down catches. That Yeah, that doesn't surprise me at yeah. all. Um, can I? Okay, we glossed over Jatavian Sanders too much. Yeah, no, for he sure. He is a sure. five-star tight end. Yeah, he's very he was good. the number one athlete rated. He was 13th overall as a tight end. Um, as a as a senior in high school, he was 6'4, 235. Um, just yeah, just just absolutely. Uh, if you're gonna talk about freaks and kind of the future of hybrid players, like he is that absolute freak kind of future of hybrid players. And yeah, and look where they look where they line him up. Sorry, finish your thought. No, 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 please. I, I was I was going to say he's very versatile. And as much as I was worried about Baylor Cup against Texas Tech, I am very much more worried about Chetavian Sanders for, for Texas here. Yeah, just, I mean, he is lined up. He's pass blocked 53 times, been in the slot 73, been out wide 38, and been on the on the end as a tied in 186 times. There's no way of knowing what the hell he's going to do on any given play. They can put him anywhere. Yeah. He's incredibly and, uh, um, I saw him in high school, actually. But yeah, that is especially terrifying because they have Bishon Robinson and Roshan Johnson, who also can line up anywhere in the backfield, in the slot, wide out sometimes, and catch passes. The two running backs have 48 targets um, overall, so they, them combined have more targets than Jordan Whittington. If you just talk about positioning and moving around, um, that is that is uh, a very formidable kind of portfolio diversity in the fact that all of those guys, I said the names, you add Jordan Winnington there, he's very good, can be on the field at the same time and really, really stretch you out. Bijan Robinson leads all like the top five Texas uh, receivers in yards per reception, 16.5. He averaged, Parker, he averages 10.6 yards after catch on 28 targets. Yeah, I wonder what the long is there. You have a long one. No, as long as only 42. Uh, Okay. That's not too crazy. Yeah. Um, I will say I do love kind of the split. Um, so I want to say, remind me to come back to yards per route run here in a second. Um, but I I really do like, if you look at the average depth of target, they did this last year and I think it's really interesting. Uh, Robinson is 7.0 Johnson is 0.1. They, yeah. they they do not check down to Bijan. They get him the ball on the wheel route. They get him the ball on the angle downfield. And Roshan Johnson is 100% the check down guy um, for, for them as well. So that, that's just interesting to see kind of the usage and the stats separate there. Um, because Roshan Johnson is averaging 9.8 yards per <laughs> yards after catch as well. Mm-hmm. Um, despite the fact he's getting the ball at his own one. So that's very, very different behavior from those two. Um, looking at yards per route run, which again, just the productivity score, you see how versatile and how um, multiple this offense mm-hmm. is. Xavier Worthy, 2.07. Again, four is like the bar for excellence. Um, 2.04 or 2.07, excuse me. Jatavion Sanders, 1.93. Jordan Winnington, 1.5. Bijan, 1.87. Roshan, 1.41. Those guys are on the field a lot and not getting the ball when they're on the field. They're actively doing things to cut. And that's the Sark offense, right? We're distracting. We're running complimentary routes. We're spreading guys out. We're setting up plays later. But you can just see how much those guys are involved without getting the ball. Yeah, I mean, you have to focus on every single player on the field at any given time. Um, 
which which it, it sounds like that sounds dumb, right? It, it sounds does. dumb to say out loud. But, but like against Texas Tech, you could be like, no, this side of the field, we're just not worried about right now. Like that's that's real. Yeah. And that's Texas is not that they can go, they can go field, they can go boundary, they can go to anybody there. Um, yeah. I mean, sometimes look at TCU's offense when QJ is lined up in a certain way. The opposing defense knows, hey, they're going to try to throw the ball to Quentin Johnson. We probably don't need to worry about Darius Davis at the five yard line. They're going to throw the fade or yeah. whatever. Against Texas, it's no, any single person can catch the ball at any given moment. Yep. And they um, will be um, explicitly, uh, it will be explicitly deceitful about that. Kind of mean, to be honest with you. I don't really like it. Uh, it's rude. We should, it's just, frankly, it's, it's rude. We should talk about the run game just a bit. Uh, Bijan uh, averages 5.9 yards per attempt on 191 attempts. Roshan Johnson averages 6.3 yards per attempt on 69 yards. Bijan has 12 touchdowns and a long of 78. Uh, he's picked up 52 first downs on the ground on 191 attempts. So quick math, a little over one out of every four runs from Bijan is a first down. Pretty good. That's insane. That is absolutely insane. Um, if you throw, if you throw in as well, because I think that doesn't include touchdowns and he has 12 oh, TDs. Yeah. So that's 64 of 191. That's one of three of his runs as a touchdown or a first down, which is just absolutely, uh, <laughs> absolutely absurd. Um, in fact, I think that Grant, here's my theory. Uh, you know how much I, you know, how, how much I like to talk about, you know, running backs and situation or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think Bijan Robinson's yards per attempt is actually uh, deflated because he's getting runs where he only has to run four yards into the end zone. A four yard touchdown for Bijan Robinson brings down his yards per attempt. I like it. I like it. Yeah. Um, the, the only other thing I had on my radar about the run game. So run game, very, you know, decent 60th in EPA, not, not a super explosive, but very efficient 25th in rushing uh, success rate. Um, Quinn Ewers has five attempts for 12 yards. QB run is not a threat here, which is a little bit different from Texas of, of yesteryear where mm-hmm. you had Sam, the, the human bulldozer Ellinger running the ball 20 times a game. And, and uh, you know, you think about like uh, Tyrone swoops, we're going back yeah. and just the guys where it's like, Oh, there's an annoying running Texas quarterback. No, they want him to stay in the pocket. They want him to throw it away. If he's going to get sacked, they don't want him scrambling. Um, and, and he doesn't do that very much at all. So it, it, as much as I talked about how play action might stress TCU's linebackers, I think D winters being out in the first half, might be a little bit easier on Shad Banks because no one's going to have to spy Ewers. They're going to be able to devote devote their resources, not like an Adrian Martinez or a Spencer Sanders, yeah. for instance. No, I think it's a great call. Um, I will say too, just the one thought I had. This is a verbal meme, but you know that meme of the the Ralph Wiggum from The Simpsons sitting on the bus and he's like, "Chuckles, I'm in danger." Uh, that's what I think of when I think of Bijan Robinson running uh, against TCU. We saw it last year. I think he cracked over 200 yards. Yeah, he is a threat and a danger, and I, I'm terrified of what's going to happen, to be honest with you. In, in honor of Bijan Robinson Day and in honor of TCU's 2021 defense, which was um, one of the worst Power 5 defenses I've ever had the misfortune to watch, uh, 35 attempts, 216 yards, 6.2 yards per attempt, two touchdowns, 3.94 yards per con- yards of con- after contact per attempt, 14 missed tackles. His long run was only 27 and he had 216 yards. It's death by a thousand paper cuts. Death by a thousand punches in the gosh dang face. <laughs> see, see, Brian, we're getting better. I was going to say something else and I censored myself right there. 
Let's talk about the offensive line, uh, a unit that has been fairly consistent, um, although not really all that good. No, they're bad. No, they're objectively yeah. bad. Yeah, I was trying to be kind there. Um, they're 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 pretty bad. Jake Ma- Jake Majors is a center and has gotten six penalties called on. Um, that's kind of hard to do. I will I will say, um, Junior Angelau got hurt. The same day he did. He did. That's one of those. That's one yeah. of those Kennedy secretary secretary was named Lincoln, and Lincoln secretary was named Kennedy, mm-hmm. kind of things. But Angelau <laughs> and Mayer got hurt on the same day of practice. Uh, <laughs> I love the human brain, man. I can say something to just unlock some very silly silliness. Um, I, 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 yeah. So like Cole Huston is is younger. Um, Kelvin Banks is playing tackle a bunch. He's younger. Hayden Connor is younger. And they're, they're talking, they had, they were talking even about like starting the young guys. Um, and they, you know, they brought in all these offensive linemen and they're going to have to develop them, but they clearly don't have the guys that they want and they're not that great. So of the starting five, I guess, yeah, five guys are playing, uh, the highest grade is 67.6, which is not good. Um, and, no. uh, all of them except the center have given up 10 pressures. Is that right? eight pressures. Yeah. One of them gave up eight. And then of course the center doesn't give up very many pressures generally. So it doesn't matter, but um, yeah, they're, 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 they're troublesome. And I, they're much worse at run blocking than they are at pass blocking. Um, And I think that they have like some big holes. Like I think the left side of this line is not, or uh, is, 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 is not that great. Yeah. Can I say one thought about the Texas offense that I had written down? Then I forgot to say, yeah, especially in the run game, watch out for pistol. They, almost always run at a pistol. They don't throw. Um, this is yep. per Bill Connolly's um, kind of game stats, but in the last three games, I think it's three out of every four times when the pistol Texas runs the ball. Um, that that's compared to me. like, yeah, compared to like, I think against Oklahoma State, it's like 16% of the time Oklahoma State ran it at a pistol. Texas runs it when they're in the pistol. So keep that in mind. Okay, let that. me think about that for a second. Sorry, I'm going to I'm gonna just spitball on air. So that's last three games you said? Yeah, Iowa State, Kansas State, and uh, Oklahoma State. Interesting. Okay, Oklahoma State and Kansas State both play, and I wonder how many times they ran the pistol in both of those games. I didn't have that. Because Iowa State is an odd front. Oklahoma State's an even front. Kansas State's an even front. Yeah, Um, I didn't have that. And so I'm sure there's a difference in the usage there, but the benefit is that uh, even fronts – and odd fronts set up to the field and boundary differently and call their plays differently. And pistol basically says you have to make a choice defense and we're going to go left or right. We can do whatever we want here. Um, So that's, yeah, that, that, that's a huge advantage. I mean, you give, you give Robinson or Johnson a half step. That's, that's an immense advantage. Yeah. Yeah. So just something to keep an eye out for. Yeah. Um, That's a, that's a good pull. I, I like that. Well, I watched it because like he ripped off like this really beautiful first down run against Oklahoma State at a pistol. I'm like, I wonder how often did he do that? Um, again, shout out Bill Connolly. Okay, uh, we'll go to the defensive grades now. Uh, turns out Mora Ojomo still really good. Byron Murphy still really good. Are we going to argue about Demarion Overshawn again? <laughs> <laughs> still really bad. I'll tell you that. But sure. Um, let me. So Texas 90th in EPA per pass. 39th in EPA per rush, um, 116th in field position allowed, which is very encouraging. Some of that is turnovers. Um, 
And I think I mentioned this before, they're 88, they're 51st on early down ZPA, 88th in third and fourth down. Uh, you got to imagine a lot of that is the Texas Tech game um, <laughs> where Texas Tech actually didn't run any first downs. They just kneeled it three times and then went forward on fourth and converted against Texas. <laughs> That's how they won. It's a hell of a strategy. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So looking at this defense, so yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the edge rushers have been very productive. 56, uh, total pressures between Ogufu. Oh, am I saying that right? Uh, close enough to me. You see stuff written down and I just have no idea. So I don't want to offend anyone, but, uh, and you know, then I, Sorrell... I, pronounced, I pronounced Hermione Granger's name, Hermione Granger until I was, uh, until the movie Ooh. came out. So I had, I had Hermoin until the, yeah, I don't know why. It's wrong. Go. Totally wrong. Yeah, just, just you just, wrong. you know, you just read it and in your little kid brain, it gets stuck. Um, yeah. Sorrell, and we're pretty, still pretty dumb, effective so. there. I no limit to my dumbness. Um, the two big boys that I'm very interested in. Well, it's it's four. Like these defensive, I was going to say two, I know. but this they run four deep at defensive tackle, and it's all four dudes who could start anywhere. Ojomu, yep. Sweat, Murphy, um, and and Keandre Coburn all are just yep. absolute dudes. And it's the benefit. It's like we talked about with Baylor getting Jackson Player. It's not like oh he's going to play alongside. Siaki and that's going to make him better. It's like, no, when Siaki gets winded because he's a 300 pound human running around in the field, he can just run off and you get a fresh guy in. You could just rotate these guys through TCU substitutes so much. This is going to be a huge advantage for Texas against TCU's offensive line is that they have, they have a, a too deep of starters, like of legitimately good guys with, with very little drop off. Um, and, and TCU substitutes so much. They're going to be able to get them on and off the field. It's, it's going to be a repeat. If, if Sark's smart, he's watching what Gundy did in the Oklahoma State game and just saying, okay, how long can we keep this defensive substitution crap going and annoy TCU? Um, which I'm sure he's seen that film, and I'm sure the Big 12 has issued some sort of directive to coaches about substitution. But, um, that I mean, that's the recipe for success. Just keep those guys coming in and off the field, as you said, because TCU subs all the time. Um, looking elsewhere, if you look at the back end of this defense, Anthony Cook, I think he's been playing with a broken arm. I'm pretty sure how like he's hurt. I think he played with a cast last week. Um, okay, well that's hard. Was it a club? I don't know. It just said played with a cast. Um, when I was in fifth I grade, I broke my hurt. wrist and I played basketball with a club for a little bit, and it was pretty hardcore. So I respect that a lot. That's very cool. I wasn't um, very good at basketball, but what we did is to intimidate <laughs> our opponents. Worse. To intimidate our opponents. I would block a shot in pregame with my cast and would go across the gym. We're like, Oh, that's, watch out. That's pretty sick. And uh, then the opposing team scored 58 on us. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> We're not here to process my issues. <laughs> I knew a kid who had a, he had a cast on his arm in sixth grade and then he got it taken off and it smelled so bad because like he hadn't washed underneath it. It was like a hard cast. Anyway. Um, that's all I can think of now. It's not like sweat. Uh, the guy coming in for Anthony Cook is this uh, is Michael Taffy. Michael Taffy, who's a walk-on sophomore playing safety. Some kid from West. No, it's not. It's not good. <laughs> um, so Cook, I mean, obviously you don't want somebody to be hurt. Hopefully Cook is healthy and can play. But if he has to go out for any reason, Taffy's the guy coming in for him. And so that's potentially an advantage for TCU on the back end. I just wanted to highlight that because it, it could be pretty important. Yeah, I, I think this linebacker group is actually pretty pretty good as as well. Um, I know you're low on Overshawn, but he switched positions. He's the outside. It's a little bit better for him. Mm-hmm. And uh, and Ford has been pretty productive for them uh, overall. Um, and then who's the um... – no, that guy Ooh. got hurt. Tucker, Tucker Doisy was the James Madison transfer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Is he hurt? We should have done our homework. I'm sorry. We should have. We're going to do this live on air. Tucker Dorsey, Texas. Because he's been productive. No, he played in Kansas State. No, he's fine. He's healthy. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. And he had a really bad game against Kansas State in tackling. But let me tell you, I had a bad game in Kansas State tackling. Against Vaughn, <laughs> so I understand that. And uh, and generally, I think that he's he's been good depth. That was a good pull for them to get him off that off that James Madison team as well. Uh, the linebacker group pretty pretty deep overall um, between Ford, Overshawn on the edge, uh, kind of outside right there, and Tucker Dorsey is uh, three three pretty good guys. I yeah, think. pretty good for sure. Um, in coverage, Deshaun Jameson um, is your kind of your primary corner. Um, well, I say that I'm sorry. Ryan Watts is your primary quarter. Johnny Barron is up there, and then Deshaun Jameson three. So those are the three guys that run out there. Um, not necessarily the most disruptive group. Jameson's only allowed forty six point two percent completion percentage, but Watts is allowed sixty one point one. Barron sixty nine point six. Jameson's kind of a boomer bus guy. Fifteen fifteen point nine yards per reception, but again, he's only allowing receptions on about fifty percent of the ball thrown his way. So, um, yeah, just interesting. Jameson and Barron both have two picks. Um, Watts, Baron, Jameson all have three penalties called against him. Overshawn has four. I just wanted to point that out because I'm mean. Um, but there you go. Can I shout out? Um, Deshaun Jameson and Jaron Thompson combined have 13 pass breakups, which is an absurd number. Like guys usually have yeah. one or one or two, and they have seven and six respectively uh, from the cornerback in the safety position. Um, yeah, that's that is very very disruptive, and uh, they will be very involved as TCU tries to go multiple this this weekend. Um, yeah, they're they're very disruptive players. Yeah, for sure. Is there anything else about this Texas defense that we need to hit on? Other really than the fact that a step I... back this year. I have no okay. comment. I'm not, there's no follow up there. <laughs> Just let that one marinate. I was I was about to address it, and then I decided, you know what? We're not going to. Parker. Uh, Someone brought that up on the BetUS show today about, like, the storyline, and I just typed in the chat, the delegate from the Democratic Free People's Republic of Parker has no comment on this issue. That is correct. Okay. Do you want to do our predictions first, or do you want to hear from our listeners? Um, let's our predictions, do, I mean, let's best do, case, worst case. All yeah, that. let's do listeners and then best case, worst case. Let's speed run listeners, not because we don't care about them, just because there's a lot of them. And then let's do our best case, worst case. Oh, I don't care about them, but that's okay. Okay. <clears throat> you asked, game prediction, offensive MVP, defensive MVP, best non-barbecue place to eat in Austin. Do you have a best, well, do you have a best non-barbecue place to eat? No, I've like been there a ton, but I'm lame and we go with my like in-laws and because when like we were living in Fort Worth, they lived in Houston. So we just go there for the weekend a bunch and like we like visiting. I never want to live there. Um, so we just like did a bunch of different stuff and nothing in my mind really sticks. I did go to some um, like I want to say Korean barbecue kind of a place and they brought out like a ton of stuff and it was fancy and it was really, really good. But uh, yeah, generally I'm just like, eh, I'm just having a good time. We're just hanging out. Yeah. I've heard good things about Matt's El Rancho and uh, I'll ride hard for a fraternity formal. We went to Roaring Fork uh, two weeks in a row, which I think is a couple locations, but two years in a row. It was good. I liked it. I think nice I've been to Roaring Fork and had, uh, yeah, had fun, fun memories there. Yeah. Cause there's one yeah. in Scottsdale as well. Yep. Yeah. No, there's, it's a, I mean, it's a, it's not a local place per se, but there's a few locations. It's, it's good. Okay. If I'm, if I'm being honest, I, I only vaguely remember most of my Austin trips. Cause we'd go with my brother-in-law who was a brewer and we'd go meet yeah. his brewer friends. And it was just like, yeah, man, I just drank a bunch of beer. I don't know. I'm hanging out. 
I was risk manager at my fraternity formal, so I remember them all very vividly. Because I was dude, were you a fraternity in college? That's pretty cool. I, shut up, that's just okay. that's tight. Doug at surgery, that. dude. Texas thirty eight, TCU thirty five. Can't dig it out of the first half hole at this time. Max, Mark Perry, Chick fil A, Mason Shreen. Is that is that surgery, dude, or sugary, dude? Surgery, dude. No, I've always read it as sugary, dude. Speaking of weird things that you just see once and never think about again. Interesting. Sugary is not sugary is not spelled with the e. Dude, I don't know. People, it's Twitter, man. Mason, Mason, Mason P. Shreen. We're speed running the hell out of these listeners. TCU 45, UT 44, Max Duggan, six touchdown Heisman clinching game. Whoever gets a pick and Kirby Lane, as I assume it's a restaurant. J.D. Sailors, 41-31, Jared Wiley, Johnny Hodges, and Dirty Martins. Yikes, I don't know what Dirty Martins is, and I'm not sure I want to. Super Frogs, Baby Mama, 45-42. The winner is whoever wins the turnover margin. The Uninformed Frog. Frogs win 35-27. Max Duggan, Shad Banks, and ATX Cochina. Uh, Ty Bowden, 31-27. Wiley and Shad Banks. Uh, and then Die Do Butcher Shop and Supper Club, which looks really delicious having clicked on that Twitter link. Uh, Frogs by 90. Frogs 92-2. Lance Jewett, 35-34. Max Duggan, Dylan Horton, and DK Arbor Memorial Stadium, where the Frogs will be feasting on the Longhorns. Brian Banks, 44-24, uh, TCU. Tay Barber, two TD catches, one of them using his feet. That's impressive. Shad Banks, I like this. A pick six, two sacks, and a taunting penalty. Uh, hell yeah. And then Monty. I'm going to be unbearable if Shad Banks has a pick. <laughs> yeah. A Sunday's and podcast is you, just, you should just skip that if Shad Banks has that kind of a game. Manfred Wint, uh, Frogs walk in, play complete game, win by 90. Kendra Miller, Bud Clark, all the good old Austin places closed. Uh, Ray Cartwright, 37-34 TCU. Kendra Miller, the Shad Banks game, and Torchies when it was in the trailer park. If it's the Shad Banks game on Sunday, Grant, we're going to play how many position players on offense and defense would Shad Banks start over who's currently on Texas A&M's roster? <laughs> oh, God. Okay. How many okay. linebackers and wide receivers would he start over on Texas A&M's roster? Oh, I need this to happen so badly. <laughs> Okay, uh, my Matt Jennings, Matt Jennings up, said we promised too many things on the podcast, but I tell you what, Matt Jennings isn't the boss of me. So, <laughs> Charlie Hogue, uh, 4438 Frogs, Kendra Miller, Bud Clark. Sorry, I know that's Hoagie, Charlie Hoagie. Uh, 4438, Kendra Miller, Bud Clark. And if you don't have a reservation yet, you're in trouble uh, if you're going this weekend. Nathan Carroll, Texas 3821. Bijan is offensive MVP. Jalen Ford is defensive MVP. Not a single non barbecue place that is memorable from the last time he was in Austin. Doug Anders, 42-35. Duggan comes alive. THT shows what he's capable of. And Uchi for some sushi. Uh, it's always sunny in Fort Worth, 38-34. Sam Thomas, 180-0. Max, D, and Uchi again. Mike the Great, 34-27 TCU. QJ, Bud Clark, and Amy's Ice Cream or Juan in a million. A couple more. Oh, God, there's a lot more. Okay, Texas Fight, 38-34. We're not reading yours, but you're very nice. So, there you go. You predict Texas. Uh, Jack Laughlin, 35-34 TCU. Duggan, Trey Tomlinson, McDonald's. Carter Wersch, 45-42 TCU. Griffin Keld nails a 35-yarder. I like that uh, as the clock, as the time expires. Tommy, 41-28 TCU. Kendra Miller, Alvin Kamara, no idea. Longhorn Rick, 52-48 Texas. Bijan, Jalen Ford, and Korea House, which sounds delicious. I would go to Korea House. I absolutely would. Toad Frog 140, uh, a loss. Tay Barber, Jamoy Hodge, and Vaquero Taco. Zach Peterson, uh, 4238 TCU. Kendra Miller, Dylan Horton, McDonald's, 3834 Horns from Wallstool Sports. Uh, Kay Duvac, 
41-38 after being down 31-10. That is completely plausible. Uh, we'll go last one. Frog Boss, 52-17 TCU. Duggan, D. Winters. And if you had to stand in line, it's not the best. There you go. Oh, I also had a DM. Uh, if you're going, if you if you're a vegan, Rebel Cheese is a fantastic vegan deli. So there you go. That's from the other Parker. I have many questions that I don't want answers to about vegan delis. Um, yeah, yeah, I do too. Is it tofu? Who knows? Soil and green is people, Grant. Um, <laughs> best case, worst case. You pick. What are we starting with? Uh, let's let's uh, let's start worst case and work our way up. I'll go. Okay. I, I think I think worst case this this can be a, a blowout. Um, I think TCU is good enough to score on Texas. I I'm worried about the defense being good enough to stop Texas with all those wins that um, that we excuse me all the stars uh, that we noted. I think with D Winters out in the first half, that kind of gives Texas an opportunity to build that lead and just rely on the running game in the second half to keep it you know at arm's length from TCU. I think worst case this is forty nine thirty Texas. Yeah, oof, that got dark. Um, I'm going to say like 42-24 just because Texas shuts it off in the second half as they are prone to do. I, I think worst case scenario, this is TCU digs a hole and then there's like four total possessions in the second half <laughs> um, where <laughs> Texas just marches down and runs the ball a ton and lets it run out um, and kind of takes out, you know, takes off the pressure. But I do, I am worried that TCU it has, has been prone to digging holes and though Texas has been prone to giving them you know, filling them back in in the second half. I'm a little bit worried about TCU kind of creating a hole that they can't dig out of here. So I'll say, I'll say like 42-24 Texas is is worst case for me. In the words of Brent Cobb, TCU ought to be working in a coal mine. Lord knows they're good at digging holes. Yeah. There you go. Uh, underrated album. Very good. Under, it, it's a good, yeah, it actually is. Um, best case though, let, let, let's let's brighten up here. I, I think you've seen Apollo 13. Yeah. Okay. So at the end, they're trying to get the astronauts home, whatever. And, and the spokesperson's like, oh, this is going to be a, an absolute disaster. And then uh, Gene Krantz um, turns to him and goes, with all due respect, sir, I think this could be our finest hour. That's <laughs> what this is going to be. This is going to be our finest hour, dadgummit. TCU's going to come in. I think there's a best case where they win by – say, I say they win by two touchdowns. I think it's – I think it's 42 ah, – let's call it 45-31 TCU. Um and they don't if they don't create that big hole and Ewers throws a couple picks, I think TCU has the explosiveness to win this game 45-31. Yeah, I think I'm gonna put it more at like 35-24 is TCU's best okay. case scenario. Um, just because I think that Texas is gonna score. I think they're gonna come out early and really test this um secondary and test this um linebacker core. And I'm very worried about that. I'm also worried about the offensive line. You know, I, I don't think that Texas's offensive line or defensive line is as dominant as Texas, Texas, just in terms of the dudes they have. Mm -hmm. But I think they're so deep and they'll be fresh and their defensive interior is really going to mess up a lot of things TC wants to do in the run game, which I'm I'm specifically worried about. So I, I, I think best case scenario is TCU, you know, the hole that they dig is 10 points or something. They come out of the they they kind of the second half rearing, but they're able to, um, you know, they're able to separate. And as long as I think TCU's best case scenario is Texas doesn't have the ball with a possession. Yeah. To win. Yep. Yep. 
actual predictions. I know Texas is a seven point favorite. You have Texas favored by two in your models, Parker. Uh, screw it. TCU 34, Texas 30. I like it. I, the show goes on. I am, I am emotionally um, unsure of what to do. If I, The coward's way would be to pick something in the 30s here and just say, I have no idea. It's going to be 30-something to 30-something. Um, not to say that you're a coward, Grant, to say that like that would be me, me being no, a coward no. here and saying, uh, I don't know. I'm going to say Texas 31, TCU 28. Okay. 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 I hate we this game. See. Grant, I have this dry mouth. I have this knot in my stomach. I haven't had this since I was an undergrad and we were beating the crap out of Mountain West teams. And for some reason, I was still nervous about them or like, you know, the good old days. Yeah. Where it's like, hey, we're going to play Oregon State and Jerry World. And I'm like, this is my entire life. And I'm invested in whether we're <laughs> going to stop whatever the twins names were. Who are those twins? Um, Jacquez Rogers and uh, Jacorius Rogers, I think was his brother's name. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they went to high school like an hour from me. Yeah. I think they were brothers, not twins. But um, yeah. yeah. So just, just saying like this is this has been the most excited nerves I've been for a TC football game in a really long time. And that's a good and healthy thing. Um, I don't think TC is going to pull it out. I think that, I think that the magic ends and I hate that, but, um, I've been waiting for the other shoe to drop and this seems as good a time as any for that to happen. I'm generating so much hate. You have no idea. Uh, it's all, all the hate within is coming out for this game. I'm worried I'm going to have any leftover next week for Baylor Parker. Let's do some big 12. Uh, let's do a little whip around real quick because we are going long here. Uh, Oklahoma oh, is an yeah. eight point favorite at West Virginia. Uh, I think Oklahoma covers. I think West Virginia is very bad. If this is in Norman, I would have liked bet a lot of money on it, but just because it's in West Virginia and it's weird. Uh, but I do think Oklahoma covers. Iowa State is a two-point favorite at Oklahoma State. Don't get that at all. Give me Oklahoma State. That's the sickest game of the week because Oklahoma State, yeah, if they're healthy, should beat Iowa State soundly. But yeah. Oklahoma State just doesn't have players right now. They don't have a roster. Um, and so I don't, I don't know, but I'm not going to bet on Iowa state. I think Oklahoma state covers. I don't know. Yeah. It's bad. That's going to be a bad. Over, game. Yeah. Over under is only 48 and a half too. Yep. Uh, Gross. Ooh, this might be fun. Kansas state is a three and a half point dog at Texas tech. That game's going to be really entertaining. And I assume very stupid. Wait, sorry. Is that, um, I'm confused about my weeks. Who is, who's playing Texas tech? Kansas is a three and a half Kansas. point underdog. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, I like Kansas here. I don't know what Texas Tech's going to do at quarterback. I don't know. They're yeah. Give me give me the Jayhawks on the road. Let's win eight. Why not? I think it's Texas Tech, and it's super super dumb. Uh, Baylor. Would it be real funny if Texas Tech lost to Kansas though? Yes, yeah, so, I mean yeah, obviously yes. It, yeah, it would. It would. Uh, Baylor's a two and a half point favorite hosting Kansas State. It seems like an overreaction to me, considering Kansas State just lost to Texas, and we now think Texas is really good. So give me Kansas State. Yeah, I think that also like last week, I, maybe I said this on Sunday, I'm repeating myself again, I've been on air for who knows, like eight hours yeah, at some point you. this week, but um, Baylor ran the ball all over Oklahoma State, did whatever they mm -hmm. wanted in the run game. They got, they were plus two in turnovers. They got 10 points from a total of 28 yards, and they only beat Oklahoma by three. Oklahoma had the ball, the chance to win that yeah. game. That that worries me. So I think I'm going Kansas State this weekend. Yeah, I'm right there with you. 
Uh, only a couple of other ranked games this week. Uh, we'll start Alabama as a 12 point favorite at Ole Miss. I like Ole Miss to cover. I don't know if they'll win, but I like them to cover. Yeah, that was one of my best bets this week. I, I think that Alabama is one terrible on the road and two Ole Miss is uh, really, really efficient and, and has a really good run game. I think they'll be able to kind of mitigate Bama's defensive strengths and, uh, and, and, and keep this close. Yep. Uh, Tulane is a one and a half point favorite hosting UCF. It should have been game day. I feel sorry for you, Tulane. Uh, but I think Tulane covers. I don't feel sorry for Tulane because you know what? Uh, college football gives uh, every game has the meaning that you give it, Grant. And this game is meaningful, and I'm very excited to watch it. Um, yeah, give me Tulane. I like it. I think you, you see, UCF has some quarterback issues too. Uh, without eternity, eternity begins anew each day. Oregon is a 13 point favorite hosting Washington. I think Oregon covers this pretty. Well, yeah. 13's a lot. I think they cover, but I wouldn't bet it. Washington's like a worse version of UCLA. And we saw how that went. Yeah. Yeah. One more game, just because I'm interested. Uh, and because it has an over-under of 77, Carolina is a four-point underdog at Wake Forest. Wake just lost to NC State. And we've seen how disruptive they – or how, like, chaotic they could be on offense we've also seen that north carolina's defense is pure trash yeah i I think i would go the underdog here just because wake forest is like man as soon as they start derailing it gets real bad yeah plus a 77 point over under is just too much fun not to watch that's a lot Uh, too bad it's going to take four hours i know what time does that game start is it a 2 30 i think it's the afternoon no it's no it's 6 30 same time as tcu texas uh, well, never mind. It's dead to me. I'm not going to watch it. Parker, this has been the first Purple Theory podcast under the frogs today. Media umbrella. We are again. We are very excited. Um, we hope our listeners stick along with us. There's really no reason not to because the podcast will not change at all, except that there will be better sound quality. Uh, you can find us on frogstoday.com. You can find us on Twitter. I'm Grant McGallier. It's spelled like it sounds. Uh, he is Stats of War. He is at Stats of War. He's also on the Bet US show, which aired. Tuesday and Wednesday, and you can find that on the YouTube channel. Am I right? You can. Um, yeah, all sorts of good stuff. I'll, I'll tweet out some of these too. Um, Neil McCready does some old Miss coverage, and we've talked a bunch about um, like Zach Evans and stuff. He had me on the show today. I'm doing another. So just go to the Twitter, and there's a there's there's a lot more content than normal this week. So sounds good, Parker. I would desperately, desperately, desperately love for TCU to beat Texas this weekend. It would be so nice. I, I can't even I can't even think about it because I'm so convinced it's not going to happen. But man, it would be so nice. Let's just take a step back and uh, and watch the game. Parker, go frogs. Go frogs. <laughs>